And welcome back to another episode of Blossom Down. We are your host. I am Steve Hughes. While he, before I toss it to the boys to see how their weekend was, we want you to know this episode is brought to you by TabEase.com, the premier Delta 8 edible on the market, T-A-B-E-A-S-E.com. Make sure you use promo code FOOTBALL for 20% off that order, as well as free shipping. Boys, it was combine weekend. It was tournament weekend on kind of the lower end of the college basketball world. Sprinkling a little bit of soccer. Columbus Crew home opener. I got shit faced at it. Boys, how was your weekend? I'll go first because David's actually going to be forced to talk about himself today. I, I told him before the show, he's got to tell us a story. So I'll tell you mine real quick. My weekend was phenomenal. We're getting into my favorite time of year, combine, as you said. So I was door dashing pretty much 10 to 12 hours a day and then coming home and watching the combine for five, six hours, going to bed and recycle. And it doesn't sound like fun, but when you factor in while I'm dashing, I'm listening to football. When I'm home, I'm watching football. So it was like a wonderful weekend. I had an absolute blast. Plus spring is coming. You can kind of feel it in the air. It's starting to stay light later. That's when I really get excited because the dark at five o'clock just drains my soul. So having it be light until 6.15, 6.30 is phenomenal. And of course, I say it about 10 times a year, but this is the time of year for shitty football teams and their fans to get excited. And guess what, guys? This Raiders fan is doing it again. I am ready for the draft. I am ready for free agency. I am ready to get hurt again. David, tell us your story. And then, Stephen, let's wrap back around. I want to hear a little bit about the lower.com field experience for the Columbus crew opener. Oh, I forgot about that. Anyways, well, I will oblige. My story is very simple. I was in Fort Wayne this weekend for a soccer tournament for my girlfriend. While we were there, how do I start this? We arrived at the hotel. We're going all the way back to the beginning. Sorry for everyone who's got. No, this is good. We want you to talk. Let's hear it. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So, anyways, get to the hotel. Nine p.m. Saturday night. We're starving, so hotel restaurant, and I order a a Woodford on the rocks. The bartender looks at me and he goes, "Hey, we just got this bourbon flight in. I don't really know this, but here are the three descriptions of the three bourbons." And I'm like, "You know what? Sure. Why not?" I didn't even read the descriptions. I just said, why not? You know, what What could three shots of bourbon do to me that that Woodford can't, you know, vice versa, whatever. He gives me these three bourbon or the, the flight of bourbon with the three shots on it. Three are amazing. I'm writing them down in my phone thinking I'm going to get these on the way out of town because they must be local. The next day after the soccer game, um, Sunday afternoon, we stop at the, this liquor store that looks pretty nice. It's on a corner. It is, you know, it just looks like a nice place to stop. So we stopped there. I'm looking to find this bourbon, found it. But then I'm scanning the the shelves because this is a pretty big bourbon collection. Like one of the best I've seen at just a random liquor store I've been to. Lo and behold, on the top shelf of what I'm scanning is I see Sweeten Co's bourbon. Now, this is like. Explain it to me. Who's the guy that when I see icy light, I'm like, oh, top shelf. So what is. What is it? Sweeten Co. Sweeten's Cove. Sweeten's like, Cove. There S-W-E-E-T-E-N, you go. S W E E T E N apostrophe S Cove. So Sweeten's Cove bourbon was released by Peyton Manning, Andy Roddick, and 
for let's call it investors, probably for like millionaires, billionaires, what have you. If if those two are in it, they're big players in this. Papa game. John's, gotcha. <laughs> so, Absolutely. so they released this bourbon under the idea of Sweeten Cove's golf course, or under the the nameplate of Sweeten Cove's golf course. And the reason for it being is that Sweeten Cove's golf course didn't really have like they, I want to say they didn't have a clubhouse and they didn't have something else, but it was a nice golf course. And the premise of the golf course is on the first tee, you take a shot of whiskey or so, or to, so the story goes, right. I cannot confirm nor deny because I've never played there, but they released this bourbon under that kind of premise of the golf course. And the fact that you should take a shot of whiskey, whatnot. And when they released the bourbon in, well, I don't know, 2018, 2019, maybe even 2020, all the years come together now for me, they only released it to like celebrities. You couldn't get your hands on it. And so for the last two years, at least, I have been searching for this, not like actively, you know, like willing to pay $300 online on some secondary market. But, but like, when you're at the liquor store, you're looking to see. Yeah, I'm act- right. I'm actively looking for this stuff, right? So I found it. I kid you not, I looked over to Heather. I was like, do you know what that is? Like, I I need this. To give you an idea of how rare it is, like you can get it in a lot of different places, but you have to get it in specific places because they're only selling to certain like liquors. Like only certain liquor stores are getting this allocation of this stuff, right? So you have to get it from specific places. Now I'm not looking up those specific places, but to give you an idea of how rare it is, MSRP on these is $180 a bottle or about there the after that secondary aftermarket goes from anywhere from 250 to 350 dollars a bottle so like if you wanted to buy it from some secondary seller you'd be get paying way more right but i found two bottles car payment yeah but when you find this stuff and you've been looking like i have i saw both bottles i grabbed one and then i was staring at it i was like if i hate it i can just sell it this isn't hard to sell. Like you just put it on an aft secondary market, whatever, you know, I'm willing to, to go through that barrier. If I hate it, I fucking love it. It is so good. Like after tonight, I'm probably going to savor as much of it as possible since it took me so long to find, but Holy shit. I am in love with it. The highlight of my weekend. It will. I mean, it sounds like this has been uh, for people that don't know, David, before he got his Bronco, he had talked about it for two or three years. And it was once a week in a group chat with a bunch of our buddies. Guys, they pushed it back. They pushed it back. And it was nonstop for years until he finally got it. And it, you could feel the joy. I felt like a parent watching like a kid open like their, their favorite toy on Christmas. And this is the closest I've ever seen to that so i know that you're fired up so i'm very very happy you told us that story i don't like how you left out how did your girlfriend's kid do in the soccer tournament they get a big dub or what oh that's why i left it out they got hammered both games the game i missed on saturday (laughs) they lost six nil the game i went to on sunday they lost three nil hey it could be seven nil for all the united fans out there what league is that? I didn't see it on my FanDuel. That sounds like a great team to fade. <laughs> it's in Indiana, so you have your legal sports betting out there too. But yeah, you I got to hit, hit up Fonz. Maybe he's got the lines on the uh, on offshore bookie book and get an Indy. <laughs> well, and on top of that, 
if you wanted to bet on a sport this weekend, you could have bet on the Columbus crew who played at lower.com and Steven on the field had to pay for tickets. I don't care. He was on the field. What was that like? So I wasn't on the field. I looked like I was close. If you're referencing, uh, it looked like you were on the freaking field. I know that's what everyone keeps saying. We were probably just a few rows up. We were, we waited way last minute because we expected the weather to be really bad and we were just going to thug it out and then of course it ended up being like 50 degrees beautiful that whole day so tickets went up but yeah it's it's a great atmosphere i mean as as best as it can be for americanized soccer right but it's the opening they columbus crew fans really mls fans if they're like they are fucking serious about their soccer i mean columbus goes bonkers for it that's really the only quote-unquote good professional team that they have in columbus and they've actually won a championship recently within the last like three or four or five years so it was a blast i got trying to get some free tickets here for april 1st i I know i already dropped it in there for us boys but i had a great time got really really annihilated which was great because i was with uh i was with my girlfriend's father and her 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 brother and soon-to-be sister-in-law so just threw back a few lost my bets for the columbus crew which kind of sucked but the buffalo sabers Money line ain't over five and a half against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. They're they're a wagon right now. They are a wagon. The Lightning are falling off a cliff. It's funny that you brought them up. And here's the thing. It's a fun fact. People don't know it. If you can find out when the Sabres have the goat head crest on their jersey for games they play, they are seven and one. The boys look good. It's like what Dion says. You look good. You play good. You pay good. And that is exactly what's going on in Buffalo right now. And you want to talk about fans going crazy. If Buffalo gets into the playoffs, it's the longest drought in North American sports right now. And that's Buffalo and it's hockey. They're a team that when the Stanley cup ratings come out, they're top five every year and their team's not even in the playoffs. Imagine what's going to happen when they actually get good. So Fired up for Buffalo. Hopefully they get a winner there because I hope they don't get one with uh, the Bills anytime soon. Two things. It's wild that I didn't realize how bad Buffalo was because growing up when I was really rooting for the Hurricanes, they were nasty. I mean, Ryan Miller was the goalie. They had the goat crest. That's all I know. And if I'm not mistaken, did they not whip out at least one one of them this year? But it was the goat crest, the old school, but they did it in the blue and yellow colors that they do it now. I know they have one where they have the goat head on the side. Maybe they have it on the white jersey with that too. It's not a uniform I like much because they have white shorts as well. And in in it's, hockey, it's it weird. doesn't work. They went from black, black and red to maybe a little bit of white trim to white, blue, and yellow out of nowhere. Well, this is a weird thing hockey's done over the last like five years. They do reverse retros. So what that is is that they take an old uniform and they inverse the colors of it. And sometimes it works really cool, but sometimes it doesn't. So like, imagine like the Packers one day wearing yellow jerseys, green pants and green helmets. Yeah. There you go. That too. (laughs) But the damn Brown helmet, that's brutal, but it's beige. Yeah. We'll call it whatever you want to call it, but let's jump into our question for each other. Our question for the audience And today's is a little tricky because we're already kind of walking it back to and from each other. So the question is simple. Would you rather lose your sight permanently? You wake up blind tomorrow or you wake up tomorrow 
and you have no memory of anything in your past. That's where it gets tricky, guys. Who wants to throw out the first question about this? There's just so many to choose from. I was going to say, you guys had like 10 before we started. Lose your sight or lose your memory, right? So there's, this is, you know, I'm just, I'm going to own it. This is, I'm going to be annoying for the remainder of these would you rathers. Do I lose my sight? Do I do it? Was I born without sight? Like, are we going all the way back and I don't have memories or am I just losing my sight today going forward? If I lose my memory, is it in my 51st dates? Do I wake up every day not remembering shit? Or is it just today going forward? I don't remember anything that happened. And if either or do I at least remember basic skills like talking, walking, I don't know, working like do I the bathroom? Right. Like, do I do I have the basics? to function in life afterwards. Do I still remember how to like pump gas? Or are you from New, oh, like you just New gotta Jersey? live in New Jersey. Yeah, you just gotta live in New Jersey. Uh, is right, Oregon so still doing it too? Or have they I mean, officially they moved are. off of that? Okay. I think I've heard that recently too. Because someone's like, well, New Jersey and Oregon. I'm like... I, I remember I, I was dating this girl in New Jersey a while back and I went and saw... Humble brag. Yeah, girls. <laughs> Crazy. Did, but I remember going out there and when I like pulled up for like the pump, we, we all were there and I got out right away. They're like, what are you doing? What do you mean? What am I doing? Like they have people for that. You don't do that. Like it was crazy that I was going like I was a mechanic or something that was getting out. Oh, you think, you know, cars, you, you think, you know, the regular unleaded. But anyways, the reason Let's get back to it. I'm going to try to help out as much as I can. It's like, David, your alcohol right there, your sweeteners cove, it's like got Jake leg. It's like back in the 30s where people were drinking paint thinner to get drunk. You drink it and it's going to idle your brain overnight. You're going to wake up without sight. Or you take this and you're going to wake up without a memory. You're going to still have the intrinsic skills. You're going to know how to wipe your ass. You're going to know how to take a shit, all that fun stuff. You're going to know how to walk. You're going to know how to talk. You're going to know the English language, but it's, you don't know the people in your life. You don't know your job. You don't know all this. You almost have to relearn, you know, basic fundamentals and nothing else. But like socially, I have to relearn everything. Yeah, hey, can I, I do? So. Can I do like, like a? Can I do like a memento type deal and give myself a bunch of tattoos to like give give me some hints? That's a good idea. You like look at your arm. You'd be like, oh, over. Take the over. Got it. Got it. And then yeah. over what though? You like don't know <laughs> it's about sports gambling. Bitch. Over. Okay, I'll figure over. this one out eventually. Over. What is now? The, this this is the most beneficial thing out of this though. Can you imagine all your favorite things? And granted, like, you're going to need a list. You're going to need to figure out. So the way I'm going is I'm going in, like, planning to know I'm going to wake up blind or without a memory. So I'd set myself up for, for success, right? I'd write down all my favorite things, and then i run it back. Do you know how many, how many times have you talked to somebody and they're start Like, for instance, Kylie, I'm, I'm bringing Kylie through Breaking Bad right now. And everyone's just like, I wish I was you, and I was watching it for the first time. You could do that again. You could do that again. Now, granted, I forget about half the shit I watch anyway, but it all eventually back to me. Not in this way. 
That would be sweet. Imagine throwing on the uh, Patriots-Falcons game. And uh, just like in 51st date, someone makes a bet. Hey, man, I bet the uh, bet the Patriots run. I'm like, no way. No Spin zone. way. Is this Spin also zone. live? I'm going to have to relive the tuck rule. David's going to have to relive 20 years of the Browns. You're going to have to relive the fail Mary and Brian Bostic or whatever, whoever it was fumbling that ball in the and the and the Colin Kaepernick era. Yeah, so like we have to relive the bad too. Yeah, the good's great, but the bad's it's pretty damn bad. bad. Better than ours. At the end of the day, not as not as great as ever, uh, as others. Well, I mean, cry me a river. Uh, but I'll tell you my answer. My answer is simple. I am going to be, I think, losing my memory because you lose bad memories as well. You're going to forget about that super embarrassing time, that blah, blah, blah. You're not going to have that when you're laying it, like to go to bed at night and you have that cringe moment pop in your head where you almost like have to get up and like move around because you hate yourself a little bit. That's gone. I at least get the C. Do you realize how hard it is? Like simple things that you take for granted, like the sunsets, beautiful women, beer, like they're sports. You'll never be able to watch sports the rest of your life. You got to listen to them. I will watch and I will trust my eyes. And I'm going to hope the people in my life are patient with me as I basically have to relearn the connections we have. Do you imagine figuring out like 9-11 happened after that? NCIS, Joe Gibbs, or Jethro Gibbs, excuse me. He literally forgets about the past and has to relearn 9-11. And he runs over and pukes right away. That I don't know why. So you kind of just point that in my head. Thanks a lot, Stephen. Got you. What are your guys' decisions? I'm going to go with memory loss. I think the selling point is me being able to redo everything. Now there has to be certain things, but... I love music, so your loss of sight is really the only thing that that would get me through. But the live sports aspect of it, being able to do everyday activities. sounds like you're going to be struggling with everyday activities regardless of which one you're going at, but you at least get better with your memory loss. I guess you could spin zone and say you don't have to watch sports if you lose your eyes, and that's a good thing too. (sighs) Mm, This is tough. Do I lose? So I don't remember my family at all. No, but they're gonna they're gonna remember you. You're gonna still have all your like family videos and stuff. So you're gonna have people that care about you and try to teach you what you've done. But yeah, like it's family gone. videos on a fucking VCR. Then you're like, what the hell is this thing? When you have to learn sports again, so you're like, what am I doing with that bat? Why, why am I swinging it? I think I'm taking sight. That's I think tough. I'm taking sight. And I'll tell you why. Because if you love your family and they love you, sure, you they can be patient with you while you regain your memory, but it's never going to be the same, right? So I think I'll take them guiding me through the transition of losing my sight and knowing that they're always there over basically being reborn again, alone on planet Earth, not knowing anything. I mean, it's a fair argument to make. But we talked about a couple of weeks ago about the pain of using your imagination for weeks at a time. You're using your imagination for the rest of your life. I hope you're ready for that commitment. Yeah, but like I remember everything I saw before. Is it shitty? Absolutely. But I, I think you underestimate how 
lonely, not remembering the emotional connections you have would be. You're right. But you're also going to have those memories. So now when that Super Bowl is happening and Steven and I are watching for the first time, because we don't have memories anymore, this amazing play. And you're like, what's happening? And we're like, oh, I can't even describe it to you. I'm new to this. And you're Wait, just get the, in there. Get the Braille board. <laughs> I think I'm okay with that. Because the Browns are never going to make it to the Super Bowl. So, like, what do I care what the – Oh, but if the, they do, you won't see what do, it. What do I care if the Kansas City Chiefs win their eighth consecutive Super Bowl? I've, who do I care? That's yeah. history that you're missing. That's some John Wooden shit, you blind old bitch. <laughs> Well, let's get into NFL news now. As you guys know at home by now, Derek Carr is a New Orleans Saint. He signed a four-year, $150 million contract. $60 million of it is guaranteed. What's interesting to me when I was looking at the contract, though, is that after two years, the dead cap hit is under $20 million. It's about seventeen, And that's not bad if you're the Saints you can kind of have a short-term marriage to Derek Carr. And if it doesn't work as well as you would like, you can move on from him. This is a much more team-friendly deal to me than it was Derek Carr-friendly. Because if he is cut in two years, he's 34 years old looking for a home. And not a lot of places are going to hire or like hire a above-average quarterback at 34 years old unless you're in immediate win-now mode. You'd be like the Colts last year with Matt Ryan and take a gamble, and there's a chance it doesn't work. What were your guys' thoughts when you saw this? you like him as a Saint? I find the contract interesting, right? Because they're paying him, what, 60 – all that guaranteed money is the first year of the deal. And then what? – what is that? 1.5 base salary. So almost all that guaranteed money is front-ended in the deal. And then next year, you owe him 30. The year after that, you owe him 30 for being on the roster. And then the year after that, is that 50? Yeah, and that's why, like, I don't think he plays the fourth year of this deal. No, but at the same time, he also has the potential to be the Derek Carr that he's been, but on a better team. Maybe they do something in a division where you can be blind as a quarterback and still win the division. I think it's a great matchup. It's obviously not as good as the Jets would have been for him but it's the second best option for him. It's just an interesting deal because they front-loaded the guarantees, which I don't really understand why you do, because if it were me, I would want to smooth out my cap hit if this turned out miserably, but I guess that's the protection that Derek Carr needs to sign. So I don't know. It's just, it's interesting. It was more or less, it it was known as like a more team-friendly deal on Derek Carr's side because he knew what the cap casualties that they've had on here and and just how horrific they are. Now, Wally, I know it says Saints are 26.4 mil over the cap. Is that also including them releasing Jameis Winston, or is that That was before the Jameis Winston move. Okay, so that's going to say – I'll look that up while you go ahead. Twelve, I want to say 12-3, 12-4 mil on the books right there. So, what, that still puts them right over – 14, 14 mil still over it. We don't know what Alvin Kamara is going to look like, but overall, I like, I like it a lot. Um, I think David said it right out, like just perfectly, right? This is the next best option that isn't the Jets, but I think 
in theory, I think it's a better option than the Jets because you're going to a weaker division. You're going to a weaker conference overall. This dude's actually going to have the ability to not only win playoff games, but maybe make a push, right? We'll see the Saints defense kind of took a backseat compared to what we are used to seeing them over the last few years. But with the emergence of Chris Olave there with the round, the round robin of quarterbacks that they were having, I'm not a big Mike Thomas guy, so we really, really need to get him healthy if you want to do anything. But I, what's his name? Juwan Jennings, I want to say, the tight end that they had. Juwan Johnson. He was the Juwan. second leading seat receiver on this team last year. Exactly. And and he didn't – and that was probably, what, the last six weeks he really popped off because he had a couple two-touchdown games in there. So I like this move a lot. We'll see what other pieces that they can get. We'll see if they can actually get a fully healthy – fully non-suspended, whatever it may be on the defensive side. Marshawn Lattimore missed 10-plus games last year. I know Honey Badger missed a little some. Mar- Marcus May, their safety, had missed a few, and I know that he was also in trouble. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think, is Cam Jordan even going to be on there anymore? Probably Demario, not. Demario Davis, one of the most underrated linebackers in the league. I mean, he's still a stud, but there's still a lot of pieces that are floating around. There's a Bobby Wagner there all of a sudden. There's a We'll get to it. There's an Eric Kendricks now floating around here, right? So we'll see what their draft stock is looking like because they still do have a pretty solid pick in the first round, even though with that exchange with Philly last year. We'll see. It's too early to tell to really put the stamp on it. I really They're going to win the division. I just think uh, those three other teams need to do a lot more to make this a boat race. But right now, I think the Saints are the clear South winner right now. Well, that's that's the key about all of this because – David, you brought up the Jets. I've been an advocate from the very early onset that the Jets was the best place for him. And this is where the dilemma really is, is that the Jets are a better team, but the AFC East is significantly better. So you have to, there's good and bad that comes with this. I mean, we talk about the Saints O-line. According to PFF, it was the 29th best in the league last year. It was bad. And the Raiders was 10th. I know that a lot of that is because of the run grade, because of Josh Jacobs, but you'd imagine that it's going to be around the same there. And they don't have the money to go help after they do cut Jameis Winston. They'll be at $21 million in space because he has $11 million of dead cap. He only saves four and that's tough. Cameron Jordan, they're going to try to move him, but the key is, is they're going to have to eat a lot of that cap if they are going to, because he's another $23 million on the, the dead cap hit. The Saints have been putting this off kind of like the Rams did for years. And it's time to pay the piper. It's why they gave Derek Carr that very backloaded almost deal with the guarantees to help him now. So it's a really interesting dynamic. The, the wide receiver core, we, we just talked about it too. Michael Thomas, he's not going anywhere because of the way his contract is struck, like constructed. This is... This is a weird situation for a team that is probably the NFC South favorite. They're not exactly in a good position either. But as the, you know, as a residence Raiders fan, I'm actually surprised you brought us into this Wally. Now it's officially over. It's officially done. Any thoughts on, you know, with him going, any parting words you want to give to Derek Carr and Raider nation for him? Well, I will love Derek Carr forever. He is my favorite Raider since like being 10, 11 years old. So I really kind of grew up with him. I was in college when he was drafted. I got to watch him that whole time. So I feel a connection. So I'll be rooting for the Saints very hard. 
And I think I'll be rooting for Derek Carr in the sense that in that draft coming up here in two months, they're taking one of these special wide receivers. And if that's the case, you're going to have a young Chris Olave. You're going to have a really young, fun weapon. And then Michael Thomas, if he can stay healthy, he's still productive. So it could be a really fun offense. And I'm desperately rooting for him, guys. But yeah, it hurts. Now that we've gotten the sentimental piece for Wally out of the way, right? Can we go back to how this is the the this is paying the piper for going all in on a roster and not winning a Super Bowl? Like this is the direct result, and you're seeing it with the Rams too. You're you're seeing the disaster unfold when you go all in, spend all the money. The Saints had really good building blocks that if they didn't sign a boatload of terrible contracts, they'd be in a much better spot. For instance, I think I sent it to you guys, but the 2017 draft for the Saints, Marshawn Lattimore, Ryan Ramzik, Marcus Williams, Kamara Hendrickson, all five of those players should still be on the roster. Phenomenal. All five of those players should still be on the roster, and who, they're not. What, is it just Trey Hendrickson that isn't, or who did I right. miss? It is. I think it is just Hendrickson for now. Okay. For now. But still, I mean, yeah, how, how they let him walk to and kept Cam Jordan instead. I mean, he has been nothing but a fucking problem for opponents when he's been on the Bengals. So I, I must have been missing something there. Well, this goes into why like teams like the Chiefs are so much better run. We'll get into Frank Clark in a little bit. But instead of marrying, in yeah, instead of marrying yourself to a 30-year-old edge rusher. They're moving on. Instead, they paid Cam Jordan so much money that is now going to hurt them that they can't move on from. They had to let Trey walk, and that blows. I mean, this is a team right now that might win the South, but there's no threat of them going to a Super Bowl, and it won't. It goes into – Stephen, we've hated on Sean Payton forever, and we all admit he's a, a decent coach. It's just we feel like he's been overblown. But he's a lot like Bill O'Brien in the sense that I know he wasn't full autonomy. He had a ton of say in these decisions. And Bill O'Brien was a much better coach than he was a GM. And you can say the same thing for Sean Payton. And now Denver is going to face that same kind of dilemma in a very similar spot now. Well, it sucks because they're already in that spot too. So I can't imagine what Sean Payton's about to do. Well, I think Sean Payton's a great talent evaluator. I don't think it's he's not he's not a gm because he's not making the right contract decisions but i think he's a great talent evaluator and if you go back in the drafts you can see that either the saints have the best scout team in football or one of the best or sean payton was just really good at his job i again this is just the this is the paying the piper for going all in and i i understand why they went all in right the only two things that don't really make sense in the hindsight 2020 view are the Michael Thomas contract and probably the Cam Jordan contract. Those are the, the Michael only two... Thomas one made sense when you gave it to right. him. Right. Hindsight 2020 made no sense, but it was also a really tough position for them because he had just gotten hurt right as the contract was coming due. And, you know, you're coming off of slant God season where he had a hundred and hundred thousand receptions in 16 games. I get it, but it's also the reason you really you you know you almost don't pay you don't reset the market at your non-trench level positions and non-quarterback positions 
It's almost like the reason you don't do that because more times than not, you're going to get, you're going to get either slapped on the hand or slapped in the face with it at some point or another. I'd say maybe 25% of the time you are very happy every year of that contract when you reset the market at a skill position that isn't quarterback, offensive line, or defensive line. And it goes to me where I agree with you that he might be a very good talent evaluator, but both things can be true that great evaluator, maybe you shouldn't be in charge of these contracts because he has fumbled to the point where this team was 70 million over the cap going into free agency last year. I don't know how they finagled it. They should have just bit the bullet and then they'd be in a better spot. Now this year, it finally feels like they're getting ahead of it. Kind of like the Rams are, and maybe down the road, they will be more of a threat. But for right now, it's just like, they're a mid, like the, the way the kids say, this is a mid team. That's it. This team you, is mid. And you brought it up earlier, uh, the Chiefs, right? So let's let's transition to that news, right? The Chiefs are rumored to be, I don't know if it's official yet, but they're rumored to be saying goodbye to Frank Clark. They're releasing him this offseason. They couldn't cut, they couldn't get him to restructure his deal, so they just said sayonara. He's the third highest sack total in postseason history, which when that stat came out this past postseason, I was utterly shocked. Um, but it kind of makes sense because – uh, what was it? The Packers and then the Chiefs that he was with? Seahawks. Seahawks, that's right. Seahawks and the Chiefs. So, like, it kind of makes sense. He's been in the playoffs his entire career. He's a great player, whatever. But he's in the final year of his five-year deal, due $21 million this season. Cutting them hits them for eight but saves them 21 It's a good move for the team. When you have Pat Mahomes, you can pretty much structure as long as you don't get rid of like really big pieces like Travis Kelsey, you're pretty much always going to be in contention. So you can afford to save money and rely on the draft and kind of rebuild while your post Super Bowl team is there. I don't think the Chiefs are going to get significantly worse. And in fact, they've got, you know, a pretty a pretty good young guy in there who might be able to replace most of that production, but it's a tough hit, but it's a smart one, right? And it's the one that the Saints, the Rams wouldn't make because they went all in. They spent all the money, but it's a really good move for the long-term future of the Chiefs with Pat Mahomes. Yeah, and that guy that you're referring to, what, George Karloftis? insane name now it's always a double-edged sword when you release a guy like frank clark and say yeah you can enlarge on you can you can rely on carl loftus but how much of his production was because of having a frank clark with the chris jones on the other side or running him right behind him i don't know the kid was an absolute problem as long as i think you're as long as you're keeping chris jones that dude is he is so good that it's because of aaron donald that people don't realize how good he is unless you're actually watching football he's a problem Aaron Donald just takes the cake away and takes all of the fame, all of the cameras away. Go look at Chris Jones' stats. Dude is a beast. And you know Spags is going to be cooking up something. Defensive evaluator, They're always. I feel like they're always bringing in young linebacking guys. Back-to-back years, the Chiefs have had stud linebackers come out of the draft. Cannot remember the, the first year, but with George Karloftis, obviously, last year, they, they did it. It's great. This is going to free up some space. Maybe they're going to – Maybe bring back Juju on a on a larger deal. I I find that hard to believe with all the the crop of the young skill players that came in in this rookie class form that really performed. 
the Chiefs are just getting richer, essentially, without doing it. They're just cutting ties. They're not going to bring Juju back because the Good. rumor has it is they're going after Alan Lazard, and they're just going to recreate the Packers wide receiver room so that Pat Mahomes can win a Super Bowl with the with the same Packers receivers that Aaron Rodgers couldn't do it with, just to throw it in, just to notch his legacy down five spots. Well, as, he, as he should. Well, this wasn't a fun move, but it was a necessary move to your guys' point. This is a Chiefs roster now that is $4 million over the cap, but here's the kicker is they only have 48 guys signed on a contract right now. So it, it doesn't feel like it's more, but they're actually more than that over the cap because they have to get another five plus. They're going to have to move off of these contracts. So probably 10 players they're going to have to move around. This is the problem when you have a Patrick Mahomes. It's a good problem to have, but you're going to lose a lot of talent because you have to pay him an awful lot of money. But you go to the draft. And that's where it's going to be very important for them to continue to hit. Steven, you were talking about the linebackers, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, back-to-back years. They hit on those. George Karloftis had a good rookie year, probably not as good as they'd want. The problem is, is they don't have any other help on the other side now. You're basically fully dependent on Chris Jones in the middle, covering for that other side. That's where this draft is kind of critical for Kansas City. You'd imagine they're going to take an edge rusher towards the end of the first round. And if they hit, we're right back to where we should be for KC. But if you miss, this is when it starts getting a little harder. The defense was already struggling last year. Now you lose one of their biggest con- or like contributors. That's, that's tough. That's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. Let's move it on to a bunch of list of teams that are keeping said contributors on their roster. We had a couple contracts come in. The franchise tag deadline is approaching, and we're getting that oh so much. Let's start it off with Wally's boy, uh, boy number two. Excuse me. I don't mean any disrespect to the D.C. Geno Smith gets inked and staying in Seattle on a three-year $105 million deal, just like Wally predicted in the offseason. I think he even got it down to the penny of, of the contract that Gino was going to sign. Uh, so kudos to you, Wally. I want to throw it over to you, you here first. What are your thoughts about your boy getting, a, I would assume, final big contract here in the NFL? It's exciting for a lot of reasons because it's a, an outstanding deal for him, but it's a pretty team-friendly deal in the same respect. The cap continues to go up. So when everybody out there is saying this is an average quarterback that's making close to $40 million a year, no. Well, first of all, he was better than average last year. It's easy to punch down at Geno given what had happened to this point in his career. But last year, if it's any indication going forward, he played like a fringe top 10 quarterback. I'd put him at that 8 to 10 range. And if they can kind of build up a roster like Pete Carroll has proven that he is capable of doing, there's no reason to think this team can't at least compete in the NFC. And I I just, I'm so happy for him, as you can tell, because there's very rare that we see quarterbacks get a chance this late in their career. And it's even more rare to see them hit when that chance is given. So I, I don't have much more to add other than good for Geno Smith. This is awesome news. Yeah, you know who's happy? Danny Dimes, Lamar Jackson. They're pretty pumped watching these contracts going, especially after they just watched Derek Carr and Geno get paid here on the same day. 
Do you have any thoughts about the Gino uh, contract there, David? Are you pretty pumped, even though Wally gets another win? I'm just happy for Gino. He gets to stay where he is. He doesn't have to worry about the BS. He had a great season with the Seahawks. Now they can legitimately get better in the draft. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fun situation over there, provided they they add some pieces in the draft. Well, and look at them too. All of a sudden, they know how to draft offensive linemen after a decade plus of not being able to. Charles Cross was a home run last year. You go to the other side of the line. Abraham Lucas was another big hit in the third round. If they can continue to draft like this, Seattle ain't going anywhere. We might get back to the Russell Wilson era Seahawks quicker than people expected. Did they miss on a single? And this is so unique. Did they miss on a single draft pick last year? I mean, every single one of them. Oh, God, I'm sure they did. But it's like the the Jets. We saw two or three. I'm sure I'm forgetting another class out there. Phenomenal draft classes. Like we're talking A, A plus Seahawks and Jets. And look at both of them. They're both in a position now to go from that top five-ish picks to potentially a division favorite or at least a division competitor. Man, just imagine Gino on that New York Jets team. Woo. Tony Pollard is going to be staying here in Dallas. He's getting the franchise tag. He's coming off a career year with just under 400 touches, over 2,000 yards, 16 and some change on the ground, and 12 touchdowns. So he went from not getting his fifth-year option picked up to now he's kind of pushing the Raiders' hands here a little bit. Is there any speculation that he is going to play on this franchise tag or or if there's any problems with him being placed on the franchise tag, Wally? He wants a contract like every player in the league does, especially a running back. But from everything that I've read, it sounds like he would be willing to play on the tag and go and test free agency next year. But you just said it. He almost said 400 touches. That is not good for the shelf life of a running back. Lucky for him in college, they have a lot of running backs at Alabama. So he didn't have as many hits on his body that others might have for especially a first round running back. But Josh Jacobs, the Raiders might as well run him into the ground because they don't plan on like seeing him long-term. This is a soft rebuild. They're going to probably be drafting a running back day two next year and let Josh Jacobs run. And it sucks for Jacobs. We saw it happen with Le'Veon Bell. When you get these tags, it costs them in the long run, but it's the right business move if you're the Vegas Raiders. Yeah, it's it's smart move for the team, dumb move for the player. It might not even be a dumb move for the player. There's so many running backs out there that even if you wanted to pull a Le'Veon Bell, it would turn out in a similar situation where you just, you know, you end up making half the amount of money you could have made if you just played under the tag and took a contract afterwards. The only thing you can hope is that he just doesn't get hurt in this tag year because then he really is screwed. But if he if he plays another healthy season, he'll make, I don't know, another five to eight million a season until he's got nothing left in the tank. We've seen it now, actually, a few times in the last few years. I mean, McCaffrey was able to be traded with his big deal. There's no reason to believe that Josh Jacobs can't be in that 12 to 15 million dollar range and then eventually just shipped off. So. I hope for him. What well, this is all three of us, I think, are on the same page. We're player, we're on the player side versus ownership for the most part. Just because David and I don't necessarily want to pay running backs ourselves, I hope they all get paid. I hope it's awesome. It's just I hope the Raiders move on from Josh Jacobs too. Evan Ingram also staying put here in Duval. 
the tight end that only had a one-year contract going into this year, now placed on the franchise tag. He is coming off a career highs in receptions with 73 yards at 766 and his most touchdowns four since his rookie year when he actually had six. I think this is great. You keep bolstering this receiving core. I wonder what if they're going to make any moves on some of the bigger contracts with some of the older guys that they have on there. Uh, I'm really just talking about Marvin Jones. But Duvall, weapon is staying. And it's easy to forget, too. They're getting Calvin Ridley this year. So given the fact that Who Trevor was fresh Lawrence, off a reinstatement from the NFL. Sorry, Wally. No, great point. That today. happened just – was that today or was that yesterday? I can't even remember anymore. Today. Okay, it there you go. It was a long Monday, brother. I know. It's been a long day already for sure. But this is a Trevor Lawrence that we're going to see another year removed from Urban Meyer with Doug Peterson – with Travis Etienne, with all these weapons on the outside and a top five producing tight end, if the defense can even get marginally better, guys, I want to hear your thoughts. I think this can be the 2021 Cincinnati Bengals next year. They'd have to do a lot on that defensive side of the ball. But, I mean, the South is going to be wide open with that, with what Tennessee's doing and we'll even talk about them here in a little bit they almost seem like they're cleaning house the Colts are the Colts and the Texans are rebuilding just like they have been since they expanded into the league in the early 2000s I like them a lot in the south I don't know but I wouldn't go that far just because of how much of a gauntlet the AFC was in comparison to just two years ago okay hypothetically if situations changed they I could see the hype like the 2021 Bengals right but to Steven's point, the AFC is a fucking gauntlet. It's a fucking gauntlet. So you have to have a you have to have an above average defense and an above average offense to compete with the Bengals, the Bills, and the Chiefs. And that's just to compete. Any one of those teams can beat the other team any given Sunday. It takes a performance that day. You can't be off as one of those teams and beat the other team, those three run the AFC going forwards, at least the foreseeable future. The Jacksonville Jaguars aren't a threat to me. Even if Trevor Lawrence pops off, he's the next great AFC quarterback. And, oh, by the way, we haven't, I haven't even mentioned the Chargers, who, you know, if they actually live up to expectations, are worlds above roster-wise than the other three teams. But we won't get into that. Even if Trevor Lawrence pops off, plays like he did the end of last season, all season long next year. Ridley comes back. Ridley's a stud. I have no doubt Ridley's going to be in like the 1,300-yard receiver range next year. Evan Ingram, great move for both parties. Agreed. Evan Ingram gets a chance to earn a big tight end contract because I think he can be worth it, provided the quarterback is throwing him the football. He is good. He's not top three tight end in football good, but he is – fringe top five top six tight end in football good and then there's a huge drop off after him I I think it's a great move for both parties and I think the Jaguars are going to be a phenomenal offense next year provided they start where they left off I just to Steven's point if the defense doesn't take a large step forward I'm not betting on the Jaguars to beat I'm just not betting on them to beat the Chiefs, the Bills, or the Bengals. Most notably, the Bengals or the Chiefs. So, like, to me, they aren't even a Super Bowl threat. They can get there. They can get there. They can. But the defense has to take one giant step forward, especially as 
most likely the Bengals and most notably the Chiefs take a step backwards defensively. Well, hear me out. So, first of all, what if they get Frank Clark? Well, he's going to the Browns, so fuck off. (laughs) So, hear me out, though. First of all, I agree, by the way, and I said it before, the defense would have to improve. They'd have to hit on the draft. They'd have to hit on a piece or two in free agency. But my whole thought is, yeah, the AFC's a gauntlet, but the AFC South isn't. Unlike the Cincinnati Bengals, who are going to have to play six very difficult division games, the Bills, who are going to have to deal with six difficult division games, the Chiefs, who have to deal with probably two to four tough division games, the Jaguars, if they go, let's say five and one, let's give them a loss in there, and they even go six and five in the other games there, you're talking about an 11-6 team that is very possibly a three seed. If they can maximize those wins, even get to seven and four in those non-division games, there's a real chance that they're home for each game up to the AFC championship game. And that's at least in Duval with how crazy it was this year. That's a huge win if you get the host of Bengals or you get the host of Bills. And I'm not going to count them out if you have that home support. It's just the benefit of playing in a shitty division. There's no reason to at least think they can't shock the world and get to the AFC title game next year. I think people forget how close they were to making that Kansas City Chiefs team sweat for the last five minutes of that game. So I, I just I, I don't put it past Doug Peterson, Trevor Lawrence in this team if they can get a little help defensively. Let's go now. We have two more tags, Darren Payne and Tony Pollard. I guess we can almost talk about both here because we're both in the same division. Tony Pollard, one that we probably should expect, but I know it's kind of funny because two of the top seven players on their roster now of being paid are running backs. And then two of the other top seven are Tyrone Smith, who's coming off a horrific injury. He's getting older. And Michael Gallup who you couldn't even move if you wanted to because of the way his contract is constructed. The way I read the Tony Pollard move is that this is a almost last-ditch effort with this window to try to get into the Super Bowl as an NFC team. And then Darren Payne on the flip, I imagine they're just tagging him in hopes that they can sign him to a long-term deal because that front seven is scary. Who do you guys want to talk about first, Tony Pollard or Darren Payne? Dude, Tony Pollard, first off. Is Zeke contract 2.0 incoming after they cut Zeke? Like, will the Cowboys learn their lesson about paying a running back? And I think Pollard's great. I think they they do need to hold on to him. But after about three games next season, they should trade him for the highest offer. Get a second-round pick, maybe even a first-round pick from somebody desperate. Get yourself a rebuild. You can draft this year. You can go into the sixth round and draft a running back, and there's there's potential that you might actually get a real starter if you do it right. I oh, they're already talking about getting fucking Bijan from Texas. I've already yeah, seen I, stories. Yeah, they're like, well, right. we're not, so we're like, not ruling that why, out. Do just trade him in the offseason. If you can actually like, the minute the draft's over, if you actually can get Bijan, trade him. Trade any like just trade him while he's on the tag. Some team will pay a first round pick for him because he's there. It's a one year shot and they'll, you know, he's, he puts them into Super Bowl contention or some BS. Just trade him, do anything. Tagging him is 
it's a smart move if you're going to trade him. It's a dumb move if you're going to give him a contract. It's just, I, I, you know, with Zeke on the it, – it, my mind would change if Zeke wasn't on the roster. I don't even know. What is Zeke's dead cap hit? Like $12 million if we cut him this year? So, like, you're screwed either way. There is no – it's not – I think next year is when Zeke becomes like a $5 million dead cap hit, and he's for sure getting cut if he doesn't restructure. The Cowboys aren't going to lose their lesson, and they're going to miss their window because they spent too much money on Zeke and too much money on players – who just aren't elite for them anymore. To give you an idea, yeah, David, his dead cap this year would be about $12 million. And given that that's a running back, it's going to be really hard to move him. Maybe if they can restructure his deal. I know he wants to stay in Dallas. They keep talking about restructuring. Yeah, we haven't, the latest running back news is all about Tony Pollard. I don't get it. Well, their their best bet might actually be to pay out of pocket in a signing, bo- like a restructure deal, all signing bonus. And you basically, you paid Zeke $30 million out of pocket and don't take the dead cap hit, but then you cut him. You're technically, actually, that might be technically a dead cap hit for the signing bonus. But there's a way to, to restructure his deal to where you just give him all his money in a signing bonus this year and it doesn't affect cap for the team. And that's your best bet with restructuring his deal. Just Jerry Jones, you know, writes him a check as a signing bonus and you're not locked into cap. You lower your cap, but you end up paying more money, if that makes sense. Here's a fun thing, too, because you brought up the trade. I know that CMC had signed a deal previously, so that would be a little bit of a hiccup. You would need to have him secure to get this kind of capital. But if you guys, just a reminder for you guys at home, what do you think CMC went for? But a second, a third, a fourth, and a 2024 fifth. Getting something for Tony Pollard is very doable. It's just a matter of do the Cowboys marry themselves to next year can be a Super Bowl year. And I think they probably will because their owner – their owner is their biggest fan, and their owner is also on borrowed time. He is not exactly the youngest man in the world, and he wants to see a championship while he's alive. So I would imagine a lot of these almost desperation moves from Dallas. Yeah, but you also have to, you have to put into the into the equation that Tony Pollard's coming off an injury. Who the hell is going to want to trade for Tony Pollard coming off an injury? Would he even be able to pass a physical right now for him to be able to be traded? Well, that's why David was pushing for three weeks. And I, in the past, I would have said, no, that's stupid. But the NFL is finally kind of doing what other sports in North America do. And they make trades at the trade deadline. So if you are willing to actually go after a team that might be desperate for a little running back help, week six, let's say Tony Pollard looks like Tony Pollard. Why not think that he can get a second and a third at least, or may, even if it's just a second and maybe like a fifth, you can get something back for him. It's just, a, again, it's a question of do the Cowboys think they can win a Super Bowl next year? And I think their owner slash GM believes it. And then about paying here with Washington. Yeah. I like the move. You didn't really get a whole, you did you even get a whole quarter of the season with Chase Young last year? You spent five consecutive first-round picks on these D-linemen. You better get the maximum effort, the maximum energy from these guys. And, yeah, make sure that they're paid. 
having this D tackle. And I know David, David's the one who's most upset about it because that's the one who's getting his Peter going. But you know what? Good move for Washington. You know he's going to end up being a free agent next year after they blow up the whole thing and be enemies going to be the head coach. Wow. See, if they blow it up and Ron Rivera's fired, I don't know if, if the enemy even stays on the staff. I think there's a very good chance he might get fired too. Not fired. It would be one of those, I want my guy as the new head coach. I want to bring my OC. So that would be almost a, a negative there. But if you are Ron Rivera, I mean, this is why you get brought in, is to help the defensive side of the ball. And this defensive line across the board is nasty. I mean, Darren Payne, yeah, his like pass rush rate wasn't as elite as people would think that as the 11 and a half sacks would kind of indicate, but Chase Young wasn't there. You're going to add him to the mix too. And all of a sudden, everybody's going to get better opportunities. Jonathan Allen, he got paid. Darren Payne is going to be paid even more given his age and the way the market's going. So I, I guess it's an interesting year for Washington, kind of boomer bust. I think it's a great move for both parties. I think Darren Payne, the only way this hurts Payne is if he gets hurt. Again, it's you're on a you're on a tag. If you get hurt, you get screwed. That's the only way it really doesn't benefit him too. Because I don't think he's gonna get 19 million dollars a year in free agency, nor do I think he's gonna get it if he plays well next year and goes into free agency. So you're collecting all the money now and you might get close if you play really well into a five year deal after that might not be with the, with Washington, but you set yourself up for the future, right? There there's a a monetary level there that I just think that both parties win here provided he doesn't get hurt. But that being said, dreams are a waste of time. Mine are dead before they begin the only way to salvage this is if the Browns sign Hargrave and Frank Clark, and then my dreams have come alive again. Well, you know they'd have to get rid of Nick Chubb if that's possible. Which <laughs> they might do. I, that that gives me heartburn. I had to take a Tums before the podcast for that. So, I, you know, we, I just don't want to think about that yet. It's something that you almost have to just because the defensive tackle market is being forecasted to explode. And that's why I don't think that I'd be so quick to say that Darren Payne doesn't get 19 or $20 million next year. The way it's going, someone's going to be desperate enough out there and they're going to give him that four-year $90 million deal or something in that neighborhood. And then in five years, we're looking back almost like, not to say that he is a failure like Albert Hainsworth, but it's going to be like almost a deal like that. We're like, are you willing to pay? 22 $25 million a year for a Darren Payne because I don't think that's the recipe to win a Super Bowl. Can I sidetrack us for a quick second? Please, go ahead. Albert Hainsworth was such a phenomenal player, but such a psychopath, and the only thing I remember about him is that helmet stomp he had with the, yes. with the Titans. The Titans. Yeah. See, and then I, he got a 100 mil contract. I, right. but that's I guess the, thing. the only thing I remember avoided? about him. Like, didn't his massive deal get voided because he didn't was pass that with a Tennessee physical? Or Washington yeah. that he had the Redskins. The yeah, because literally it was something to the effect of he got there. And we're talking about like a 10-minute jog the dude couldn't do. It was phenomenally bad. <laughs> but let's go now into arguably 
of my favorite thing to talk about, and that is the NFL draft and the lead up to that, and that is being the NFL combine. So the main story right away, just got to bring up, is that Jalen Carter last week, we had the very sad news that he was charged with reckless driving and racing in the deadly January crash that killed his teammate Devin Wilcock and a member of the staff, Chandler LaCroix. We don't know the full story yet, but you feel just gutted for the kid. I mean, it should have been the happiest days of his life. Instead, he made a terrible decision, and he's going to have to live with it for the rest of his life. Very reminiscent of the Henry Ruggs stuff. With that being said, assuming he doesn't face any time, I don't think it's going to affect his draft stock hardly at all. I think he's still going to be a top 10 pick. Well, he was, you know, he, he got booked. He got out on $4,000 bond. He was at the combine the following day. He just didn't partake in anything. I barely, I think he barely even talked to media that day too. So and to your point. Just more or less talking to the teams to tell them what's going on. Yeah, exactly. And that's not a good look, especially with how, how strict they have been about the public image of players that they bring into the into the league you've seen a number of players draft you know or fall in a draft like a Kareem Hunt or a Tyreek Hill or you know you even minusculely saw a fall with the Laramie Tunsil gas mask thing there's a lot of things that go into this and you brought up the great point this is one of the greatest moments in this kid's life that's going to be forever tarnished by yeah something that he did I'm sure he's taking full responsibility I don't want to speak for him but at the end of the day, every single person makes dumb some decisions at that age. Some end up a little bit more crucial than others, but we've all been in that same exact position, just that with a different result, unfortunately. And on top of that, he's celebrating a national championship, trying to get some life-changing money and situation in his life that that's going to forever change him and his family's life. And now this is going to be tarnished. I hope he doesn't – hope the full story comes out, first of all. Second of all, I hope he doesn't plummet too far in the draft and he can still get his. And followed with that, keep it up in the NFL, be a player, and get that next contract as well. It's heavy too, though, just because, I mean, you think about the people that died and the families that now are going to watch Jalen Carter forever. And I'm sure they probably don't hold ill will to him. They were all friends after all. They all made the poor decision. But it's it just, again, it, it's it's gut-wrenching. But let's transition to a happier part of the combine, and that was Bryce Young. And the, everybody talking about going in was his size. We were worried about the height. He came out just over 5'10", but more worried, and I think a lot of people were surprised to see, he actually weighed in at 204 pounds. Who knows if that's a... Guy threw a couple extra drinks at it beforehand, tried to weigh a little more, but people weren't expecting him to be 200 pounds, which would have put him in that Seneca Wallace range of horribly undersized and something we've never seen be successful in the NFL. Are you guys worried about Bryce Young in his stature? I, I'm not worried. I don't care. He is Kyler Murray 2.0. It's just that's his compare. That's his comp. It's Kyler Murray 2.0, and that's I'm not worried about it. I don't care. He's not going to be a Hall of Famer. I'll I'll die on that hill. Clip it. I'm re like rewind 12 months from now. He's not going to be a Hall of Famer. He's he's Kyler Murray. That's all I have to say. 
Yeah, I don't, you know, I'm not going to sit up here and vouch. I think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. The thing that stuck out to me the most was watching all the quarterbacks and them talking to the media. That is a smart kid. I The way that he was addressing the media, and I'm sure you guys as the college football fans see a little bit more of the postgame interviews of interviews with him than I would. But, I mean, the way that he just presents himself, the way that he talks, he's, he's – very smart kid. He obviously understands the game. I mean, you can't not understand the game or be somewhat smart coming from a Nick Saban program. So I thought he did great. I don't think the size is really that big of a deal. I think after the likes of the generation that we grew up with of some of the best quarterbacks being Russell Wilson and Drew Brees for a decent amount, obviously Peyton, Tom, Aaron, now Pat, but those smaller guys have the ability to play. I don't care about your size. It's gonna sound it's gonna sound cheesy. It's it's all about what's in between your ears and the size of the heart. We've seen so many small people come in this league. They yeah, sure they they vanish quick. But there's ones that stick around, like a Darren Sproles in a completely different position, completely different skill set, everything. But these small guys can make in the league. They just have to be smart football players, and that's why you see the likes of a Kyler Murray tears ACL, it feels like every other year, or a significant injury, or like a Lamar Jackson. I like his boat a little bit more than Lamar's. God, see, this is where it gets tricky. I have a few thoughts. First of all, I understand the comps to Kyler Murray because measurably he's very similar. They're about the same height. They weigh about the same. He's got actually bigger arms, which should help with batted balls. But at that height, you worry about that because of the Baker Mayfield thing. David, you watched it time and time again. It felt like, Every seven passes, he'd have one knocked down. And nothing can be more demoralizing on a drive than it being second and seven, getting a pass knocked down. And all of a sudden, now we're trying to fight to keep the drive alive. What I will say about the Kyler Murray comp is that I think Bryce Young's instincts and football IQ were higher than Kyler Murray's were coming out. I think that he makes some crazy plays. Like you talked about the Nick Saban and in that tie in and how smart he is. One of my favorite clips of him in college is he makes this ridiculous play moving in the pocket, makes a no look pass, but he's celebrating before it even gets there. He's running to the sideline and he's like dancing and all that. And as soon as he sees Nick Saban, he shuts it down and it's yes, coach. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is what I saw. He knows like that. He's got that quarterback mindset already. This is more than just now. Yeah, I'm fired up. I'm excited. But all right, let's get back to work. I get it. Sorry, coach. My bad. What about the story of, I can't remember what game it was. I don't want to say it's a national championship game, or maybe it was a playoff game where he ends up taking a sack on like second or third down. And it was like second or third, third and goal. Ends up taking a sack, comes back, passing touchdown the next play. He goes over and celebrates. Nick Saban's like, Why'd you take that sack on, on, you know, whatever play? He's like, oh, coach, I just need a little bit more room to throw it in. And he looks over and Nick Saban's just like blank face, like ready to tear him, tear him a new one up 21 after throwing a touchdown in a playoff game. It's just classic, classic Nick Saban. You're right. It's completely Nick Saban. And you can tell the quarterbacks that come out of that program are shaped by him the way they talk. What worries me, and I'm going to be the guy worried about size. I'll come out and say that just because, Unlike Kyler Murray, where doesn't it feel like he's kind of a stocky, sturdy little guy where Bryce Young is kind of lanky. He's kind of not filled out where I'm worried about his durability. If he's able to stay healthy, I really do think Bryce Young 
might be the best quarterback in this draft class. But if we're talking about a guy that that's getting hurt and playing eight to 10 games a year, I mean, you can't win with a guy like that. So I'd be very reluctant to take him in the first round, just given the fact that we haven't seen someone of his build really work in the NFL at that position. It's kind of where you, you're kind of just betting on history and it's, it sucks because you might lose out on a very high prospect, but if you're the team that drafts him and he's broken every year, you're going to face a lot more questions and that's an easy way to get a GM fired. You think he could be the best quarterback in this draft class? I don't think he will be, nor do I think this draft class is anything special from the quarterback position. Nothing gets me excited. I think the best quarterback in the draft is CJ Stroud. The combine confirmed that for me. And and while you can, or, or Stephen, one of you can kind of go into biggest winners and biggest losers, but your biggest winner is probably Anthony Richardson. The athletic feats he put in the combine are are unbelievable almost. Um, but for me, that's that's like a he performed kind of mediocre in field drills, like in legitimate passing drills, whereas C.J. Stroud was near perfect, right? And so athleticism is cool if you want your team to run, be run by Lamar Jackson. But, like, I don't want I don't want that quarterback for my team. And so I think what we're going to end up finding is Anthony Richardson probably is the first or second quarterback off the draft board just from combine stuff. And that's going to be a huge letdown. And then I think C.J. Stroud's going to come off second or third, and he's probably going to end up being the best quarterback in the draft class. Wally knows my feelings on Ohio State quarterbacks. That's a lot for me to say out loud. But I think it's based on what he put out at the combine. If, you know, you continue having pro days, I shouldn't say pro days, but you continue having drills like that in in the like in this offseason before the draft, you continue showing NFL teams that like on the field, you are perfect, but you might not be the most athletic guy in the class. You might not have that super special feat. I think he's going to be the best quarterback in the class. I think Bryce Young might be second, and then I think there's going to be a drastic drop-off between the rest. And what sucks is Anthony Richardson had an amazing combine, but now he's going to skyrocket for absolutely no reason at all. Okay, so that's where it really gets tricky because – First of all, I agree. C.J. Stroud put on at the combine. People were saying it was one of the better combines for a quarterback we've seen in a long time. Just silky smooth, just very constant, very effortless. It feels like he's going to be a very safe pick at quarterback. And you're betting on him that you're getting the Georgia C.J. Stroud, the one that's willing to move and, and run from the pocket from time to time. And that's where the question is, was it Ryan Day's system or was it C.J. Stroud's reluctance to run? As for Anthony Richardson, it's the obvious comp, and everybody knows it. It's Josh Allen. The thought is, can we fix him? Because he's got the highest ceiling of all of these guys. The only problem is his floor is very low. If you aren't able to develop it, that's a problem. That's where I think for me it comes into that question of, I would almost rather swing big and miss big because then I'll at least be in a position to draft another quarterback next year than get one of these Kirk Cousins, Derek Carrs, Ryan Tannehills that are going to keep you good enough 
to draft around 16 to 22, but nothing better than that. So what happens if you swing big on, on Richardson and you get Lamar Jackson? Are you paying him 50 million a year? At that point, it's going to be like 75 million a year. Five well, years. If you're calling like the Lamar Jackson uh, equivalent, it would be more of like a Cam Newton then, where Agreed. he's got that. Big, he can actually yeah, throw the I, ball. I agree, but it's still he's not a great thrower. It's, Agreed. It's, but that's Cam neither Newton, was Josh Allen. That was the, Lamar the, Jackson. Well, Josh Allen's biggest knock coming out of college was he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, and that's where teams are betting like the bills did we can fix him they're being the the problematic girlfriend i can change him i can be the one as long as they can see plato and they think that they can sculpt it to their liking then they're gonna take the quarterback to your point i think josh allen is a great comparison because that's what you have here this is a guy who actually has a big arm did he miss on it yeah i've seen him overthrow it with maybe more nfl athletic receiver that's going to be able to catch it but i've also seen him throw it a back shoulder that wasn't really a back shoulder that would have been intercepted by a NFL DB. So there's, I, I liked his passing. I like CJ Stroud's too. I think CJ had a couple of those millisecond misses, right? Where it's a little bit more behind that. That might be an interception, but overall, Not really. I think those were the great passes. Like Stroud, that's the thing. I, I don't want to be the Ohio State homer that, and I'm really trying not to be, but David, you said it where like his performance at the combine was nearly flawless. He looked as polished as a passer as anybody in this draft class. But that's the thing with quarterbacks, too. I can't – Zach Wilson's scarring us right now. Scarring me, at least. Throwing in shorts is, like, the, the biggest crime. I still, Zach to this Wilson day – wasn't even that good. He had one pass well, that got put on Exactly. Did we, see the, did we see any other shitty passes? No, they're like, hey, look at this one pass out of 12 that we saw. C.J. Stroud, nobody's doing that for. It. It's kind of like – a, it's like a subtle agreement. It's like, hmm, that was kind of perfect. Like, no, the everybody was product like, was kind of perfect. Everybody was like, ooh, kind of shocked. Like, didn't – but here's the crazy thing is that the odds in Vegas actually flipped where CJ went from second to third, most likely quarterback to good drafted first. And Anthony Richardson jumped all the way to two real quick. As I am a loser and watched almost every second of the combine, I'm going to spit fire a couple winners and losers. And I want your takes and then we can get on to rapid fire and get everybody out of here. Winners, Anthony Richardson, of course, combine hero looks great in shorts as the guys on PMT would say about Josh Allen. Nolan Smith had the best combine that we've probably ever seen from an edge rusher. Jadavian Clowney level of freakazoid. He's going to get drafted very early. It's people are worried about his production, but at Georgia, they rotate so many guys. You're not going to have the numbers you saw. It, it doesn't matter. We'll, go, we'll keep going. Lucas Van Ness, the edge for Iowa. His nickname is Hercules. This guy is built like a freakazoid. He's very J.J. Waddy in the sense that you can feel that he's guaranteed to have a very high floor. It's just, can he add that skill, add that finesse to his game to make him an elite edge rusher? If he can, he might be the best player in this draft class. It's just, he really didn't show any kind of skill or finesse in his games. It was just all, I'm going to run through you because I'm stronger. Dewan Jones, Daniel Jeremiah had, I think, one of the, my favorite descriptions of a player of all time, calling Dewan Jones a walking solar eclipse. 
He is 6'8", nearly 375 pounds. I, I wasn't a huge fan at Ohio State. He takes a lot of penalties. He is so big that it can be clunky at times, but his feet are actually pretty good for a guy his size. So you're almost taking that Orlando Brown of a, a, approach a few years ago where if we can just get him in the way, he's going to be a very, very good player for anybody that drafts him. And purely on the fact that guys like, and I'll go into losers now, Peter Skaronsky, the tackle out of Northwestern, everybody was so sure was a top 10 pick. He's got, he's a T-Rex. He's got the shortest arms in the world. He is a guard in a tackle's body. He just has, I think they were 32 inch arms, which is way low when Dewan Jones is at 37. You got an extra five inches where Skaronsky now, people are wondering if he's a guard. Worst thing that ever could have happened to him was having his arms measured the other day. And other players like that, Michael Meyer. Everybody was talking about this tight end at a Notre Dame as if he was the next Rob Gronkowski. And the thing was, is that he lost 15 pounds for the combine. Sounds like a good thing. He's at about 251. Problem is, he ran a 4.7 at four, like 15 pounds under his playing weight. So now people are worried that he's even slower, bigger, and he's not going to be able to have the speed to do anything at the NFL level besides being a good blocker. Safeties, slowest safety class I can ever remember. Brutal look for them. The whole class sucks. It's a really bad year to need a safety. This is where you almost go into the nickel corners and hope to God that you can get somebody that can play or make the switch. You're betting on size and speed. But the last loser is the only quarterback that was kind of given that top 10 vibe going into this for no reason, by the way, that hasn't been talked about. Will Levis. He is the guy that's built like the old school NFL quarterback. So people want him to be. He played on a very bad Kentucky offense. And that's not his fault. The skill wasn't around him. But at the end of the day, we need to see a production. And at the combine, Levis was missing a lot of throws too. It kind of got overshadowed because Anthony Richardson was also there. But I don't understand this. It's truly just betting on the frame and the ability that you can make him great. And I just, I can already see he, Will Levis or Anthony Richardson will be a Raider on, on draft day. I already know it because that's what my team does. I know you hear those sirens. They're not the ambulance going to Wally's house after a stroke. It is 911 rapid fire. Before we toss it in, we want you to know that this week's rapid fire is brought to you by Abby Turner Creative, your one-stop shop marketing agency, specializing in branding, high-end photography, fashion, and more, especially if you're our age where it feels like there's a wedding, baby pictures, college graduations, you name it, they're happening every weekend. Abby Turner Creative is the only way to go. Check her out for yourself at abbyturnerphoto.com. That's Abby, A-B-B-E-Y, or on her Instagram, Sawdan and Sapphire. Again, that's abbyturnerphoto.com. We started off with Rashawn Bateman getting a little bit mouthy on Twitter here at his GM. Quote, how about you play to your player's strengths and stop pointing the finger at us and eight, Lamar Jackson. Blame the one you let do this. We take heat 24-7 and keep us healthy. Care about us and see what happened. Ain't no promises, though. Tired of y'all lying, capping on players for no reason. He's coming at his neck. My goodness. Oh, but it's um, okay. He tweeted my apologies after. 
Thank God. Uh, my two cents, shut the hell up, dude, who just played 18 out of the possible 34 games in your first two years with 800 yards and three touchdowns have an ass. Chill out, Rashad Bateman. You haven't done your due diligence to start calling for those uh, roughing the passer calls yet. Come on, chill out. You still got a few more years. The era of athletes airing their dirty laundry on social media or to the media is getting so old to me. The GM wasn't totally wrong, but there's some merit. To, like, there's some merit to the words he had, and there's also some merit to the fact that Lamar Jackson isn't a guy who's turning good receivers into great receivers. Okay, so I, there's some merit to both parties here, but take your ass to the fucking locker room to management and say, you know what? I don't appreciate those comments. Please don't do that again, right? Take your take your grievances to the person directly and handle it internally. And I've almost always been on this take. It's just stop bitching. Just stop bitching to social media. Go and handle your business internally. Go handle it with the team. Go handle it with the person you have a problem with. And if it's your agent to handle it, right? Like, go handle it the appropriate way. Airing it on social media makes you the idiot. It makes you the guy everyone hates. It makes you the, like, even if the GM is Gettleman, the worst GM in the history of GMs, you now look like the idiot. Like, you now are the bad guy in this scenario. And that's exactly what Bateman is. Everyone just wants, like, everyone's kind of like, buddy, what are you doing? It's kind of just the right message from the wrong person for me. He's not, this second year player should not be the guy going to the GM or at least talking about the GM this way. The bigger point to me is that this really well-run organization is kind of burning right now. And we've seen the Ravens in more disarray than we have at any point in their franchise's history. And I don't think it's going to get any better until the Lamar Jackson situation is resolved. ESPN labeled it out of the dark and into the light. Steven, how would you describe Aaron Rodgers coming out of his darkness retreat? Breaking news. It is wildly annoying to be a Packers fan the last three years. Just just make a decision, a.k.a. just get out. Let me be miserable in peace. Leaving on a jet plane. Don't know when I'll be back again. Your new New York Jet starting quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. Fuck Aaron Rodgers. And also, if the Jets don't get him, the Jets are screwed. Flat out screwed. But neither here nor there. Would Steven love that or Jordan love that? The Jets are finally... The Browns get revenge against the Jets on August 3rd in the first NFL game of the season. That's right, the Hall of Fame game just down in Canton. It's going to be a dogfight. Pun intended because it is just 45 minutes south of Cleveland. If you've heard that really, really, really annoying Hall of Fame commercial that you hear on the NFL Network, just 45 minutes south of Cleveland. We going, boys, or what? Buddy, if those tickets aren't expensive, I am there, and I am going to wear my Joe Thomas jersey with pride, and I I might tear up when Joe Thomas gets elected into the Hall of Fame, but neither here nor there. Yeah, see, if we went, would you go for more than just the gaming and try to get the enshrinement tickets as well? 100%. I think I, if I'm committing to the game, I'm 100% trying to commit to the enshrinement. And I think I might have an in to get tickets, even if they're, like, not open to Ooh, the public. Oh, I wonder who the in is. Oh, gee, yeah, God. Okay, fuck off. 
Like, <laughs> oh, wow, Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Ooh. First of all, Who do I know? Of all, haven't Six been to a single family. Hall of Fame event since 2005. So, like, if there's a time to use that poll, it is right now. With David, oh, no, but I went to the Super Bowl. Conference. It just hit me, David. Hold up. My dad, brother, and I were at this inside event for Dan Marino's enshrinement because we got to go. Were you in that same thing too? We probably didn't know each other, but we're 100%. about a hundred feet away from each other. hundred percent. I was sitting like that, those goofy footballs with yeah, like, I look one... back through pictures now. For the for the entire enshrinement, wow. I, I was there that whole that whole weekend. I was at the game, I was at the enshrinement, I was at the I gotta make sure that after. I'm thinking of the right class. I literally I was sitting second row at that enshrinement right behind my aunt and it was an experience that is unforgettable, but it was also really cool because I didn't know it in the moment. And looking back on it makes it so much more fun. That's great. Yeah, I was not at the part where they're outside. I was just in that inside part where they're like telling stories and nobody ever talks about that. It's amazing that that's it's kind of like a best kept secret. But that's so cool that we were in the same building. It just hit me for the first time. Crazy. Anyways. All right, I'm going apeshit over here for basketball bets, boys. I'm sorry. No, you're good. Which will take us into our last thing here in rapid fire. Bud Dupree to be released from the Titans. Allen Robinson given permission to seek a trade out of L.A. And Eric Kendricks, the veteran Viking, is to be released. Any surprises of the three for you guys? Bud do who? Never heard of him. Was that the guy that played for the Steelers? Can't remember him. Yep, that is Titans the one. legend. Can't Can't remember him. Who is he? Why? Because he only played 22 games, started seven, 17 with seven sacks, 35 combination sacks, 27 solo. That is for two years, people. But five years, good? 82 million, baby. We love franchises that aren't the Browns making horrible decisions. Can we, can, we, can we make a side note here about how much we love Mike Rabel and how much credit we give him? But yet when he gets a quote-unquote star pass rusher, they don't do dick in his, de- in his defense, Jadavion Clowney. Bud Dupree. Both of those guys are also horribly overrated that were propped up by better systems in Pittsburgh. And I, I mean, where is Jadavian Clowney ever produced? Uh, uh, South Carolina. Next to JJ Watt. <laughs> well, so, even then it was, I don't think it, if you and, go back and Cleveland and look, next to Miles Garrett when he I, actually played. How many 10 sack yeah. seasons are we guessing that he has? I bet it's one or two. It's two. I think, it's I think. he had a 13 sacker with the Texans. And didn't and he have a great rookie highest with the Texans was nine. And then he had like zero sacks for the Titans. And then I think he had, maybe he'd only had one, maybe he had nine last year with the Browns, not this past year, but the year before that. Well, while you guys are wrapping up, I'll give us a stat on my way out to tell you. Me personally, I thought that Eric Kendrick's move was really surprising. Uh, he is, he's been a Viking since he got drafted from UCLA. He's been there, I want to say, since 2012, 2013. Regardless, dude has been nothing but production. <laughs> he's great oh. leadership. Oh, boy. Um, but Eric Kendrick's 31-year-old coming off a career best, oh, coming off a career year. He had the second second most combo tackles, most solo tackles of his career, second most assisted tackles, tied for third most tackles for loss in his career, and then also the fumble recovery touchdown uh, to beat the Bills in that ridiculous game that we had here late in the season. Wally, please bring me in. Well, no, hold, on, I, hold on, hold on, hold on. I really love, I love Eric Kendricks. I He's kind of like 
the Vikings defense. Like right. Him and Harrison Smith. And that's well, that's who I had, think uh, about, right. When they had Anthony Barr too. Oh my yeah, goodness. That, and that like the defense, tail end of Jared Allen right, early he, on. It, 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 Kendricks, I can't picture a Vikings defense without him in, in our recent, you know, in my recent memory, right? I think that's that's the biggest surprise. But it goes to show you that, you know, you got to make some of these hard cuts to to continue pushing forward. And the Vikings are, as we learned last year, huge frauds. But now they're in a position where they're cutting real talent from the roster because they're in a, a binding situation, right? I wonder if he ends up in Dallas just like Anthony Barr did and if they end up letting go Anthony Barr and bringing him in because I know that there was a linebackers or a defensive coordinator aspect that coached them in Minnesota that ended up in Dallas, and that's why Barr went. So maybe the Cowboys are a team to keep an eye on. I have to bring us full circle Please. here on Jadavian Clowney. First of all, I want to I want to hear your guys' guess. He has played nine seasons. How many sacks in nine seasons are we guessing he has? 27 and a half. Wow, you were way – that would be absurd. I, I appreciate that you, you think he sucks too, but that think about that. You were that would be an average three. of like three and a half a year. Yeah, but that'd be like nine. He didn't have any in Tennessee. So that's you really are averaging it off of eight. Here, I'm gonna walk you through his sacks by year. His rookie year with the Texans, none. In 2015, four and a half. Stop, stop, stop. Let me guess this. Okay. Because I remember hating the Jadavian Clowney signing for the Browns. And I think he was at like 30-ish then. So I'm guessing he's at – I'm going to guess he had nine – well, I'm going to guess he had 32 when he signed with the Browns. I'm going to guess he had nine last year. God knows what he actually – not this past year, but the year before that, 2021. And I'm going to guess he had three this year. So what does that put me at, 45, 44? 44 by your math. And I don't know if you had this buried in your head and you did just dug it up. He had up until your, what would that would be? He had 31 sacks entering his Browns tenure, which Wait, is exactly what you said. In my head because I got into so many arguments with Jack and Justin, shout out to the viewers of the podcast about why Jadavian Clowney was not the guy for the Browns. <laughs> well, and you basically drilled it. He had nine and 21 and he had two last year. So he has had 43 sacks in nine years. He has never had a 10 sack season. Really? I thought his, I thought his highest was nine and a half and seven or in 2017. And he had nine in 2018. That was without a doubt, his best two year stretch. And that's 18 and a half sacks. Wasn't 18. Didn't he win? Didn't he get like all pro nomination in, in 16 or 17, maybe? It would probably be 17. That's without 17, a doubt. Especially. I thought 17, he was at like 13. Cause isn't that also the year JJ Watt got like 22? Probably. And that's, he was just kind of given that, Oh, well, he would have had more if he wasn't playing with Watt. When in reality, he had as many as he did because he played with JJ Watt. That's going to bring us to another episode of loss of down. Shout out to our sponsors, Tabbies, as well as abbyturnerphoto.com. Make sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Loss of down on Twitter, down underscore loss. Jalen Brown, double-double, straight cash, homie. You need to give me these ahead of time because I don't know. I'm just going to blindly throw I'm them in. I'm telling you, I, I want it on the record. I've been saying it for months. 
Jason Tatum over rebounds anytime. Seven and a half, eight and a half, nine and a half. I don't care. If it's at eight and a half, you take it. If it's at nine and a half, just sprinkle on a double double. He That's the a good dude idea. is a dude is a walking 12 rebounds. And Vegas just switched it to nine and a half yesterday. I've, I've been betting seven and a half and eight and a half since the NBA finals last year. This dude is a walking rebound. And All he's right, out, but Jalen Brown is cash. I'm in. After after looking up stats, and I, I'm not distracting from basketball, J.J. Watt in 2014 might be the greatest player to ever exist, just so we're clear. Phenomenal. And that's the year he won Defensive Player of the Year and MVP, had 20, 20 and a half sacks, played all 16 games, Probably had an 80-yard interception return for a touchdown, and had three receptions for three touchdowns as a tight end on the goal line. It wasn't a year like half his like muscles internally were like torn too. Probably. I, I the guy that scored a touchdown against the Raiders. I remember that. That might be up like top three greatest seasons ever for a defensive player, period. His peak was all time. <laughs> I unbelievable. It was it, just his, too short. Yeah, it, it, I mean it just it's hard to stay healthy nowadays because of how big and strong these people are. The human body is not supposed to be as pushed as we are doing it now, especially at the football level. So the he fact won that the player of the year four consecutive years in his worst year, he had 11 sacks. What a freakazoid guy was amazing. It, there's no other way to say it. I, I think my only thing I would tell you guys before I, I'm done today is that this next two months is a sprint. I'm so excited. You have the combine that just happened. We have franchise tags wrapping up next week. Pro days, we have free agency, we have the draft. In baseball, there's a saying you can't win the World Series in April, but you can lose it. It's very, very similar in football. This is not where you're going to win the Super Bowl. It's not where you're going to be an elite team, but you can make the mistakes that are going to ruin any chance you have at being a good team next year. So buckle up, and let's hope your team can do it. Buckle up, buckaroos. Buckaroos. Shout out Caitlin Jenner on South Park. Oh my God. That was some those episodes where like they brought her in and they would just like have her running over old people every time she left the scene. And the fact that they've moved into the like the season-long storyline, I think it was a brilliant way. I it's so oh, smart yeah. that now that they're still like as big as they were 20 years ago, nobody would have thought that was possible. Oh, I know. I love it. They I haven't caught any of the new episodes yet. Have you? Me neither. David, you got anything to wrap us up with today? No, I'm still looking at J.J. Watt's stats. And in 2014, he also had five fumble recoveries and a fumble recovery for a touchdown. Do you think that's impressive? I'm drooling on J.J. Watt's stat sheet right now. And if you think that's impressive, go look up his uh, shirtless pictures. Not that I have. My shirtless pictures. You really want to be impressed. I don't want to get a virus on my computer again. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. And we'll see you Thursday with some more franchise tag deadline, player visits, player pro days, player orgies, whatever it may be. Can't wait. Oh, that would have been bad. Almost drank this. It is not Diet Coke, boys. I've done that one time in my life, and it was the worst three minutes of my, I think, existence. One time I was in uh, I was in South Carolina with some friends. And I was back when like used to just bump on the way down, and I had like a Gatorade bottle of dip spit and like 
three blunts and like the blunt guts in there. And now it was one of those where I told myself like 10 times not to do it. And what I did was just take a fat fucking swig of that thing. Were you, just, you were driving, right? No, we were pulled over somewhere. Oh, thank God. Cause I was like, if I'm driving at that, I threw up one time in my life while driving. It was coming back from a really long shift at FedEx and I worked my dick off because I was pissed at like one of my trainers. I'm trying to show him up. But I was so like mentally exhausted and physically exhausted. I drank so much water. I just threw up water basically on myself. I've done that. Yeah, and it's miserable because you're like you're beat, like you feel dead after. But I literally was just driving like, and, so like somebody Fuck, driving by would have just been seeing me like, like eyes wide open, focus on the road, but. <laughs> Could you imagine that guy was like, why is this dude driving so slow? You know what? Fuck him. I'm going around him. Hey, asshole. And he just looks and it's white. Oh, shit, man. You just, just keep carrying on. Light. You're just like, oh, my God. What the fuck is wrong with this guy? Oh, my jeez. Uh, yeah. Okay. This, all, this is making sense. This is making an incredible amount of sense. Awesome. I'm muting up.